Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host for the Race and Lanes podcast, Rico Mohammed. Um, coming to you in the midst of uh, trying to get a couple of things moved around here. Just stand with me here for just one second. Tonight we are going to have on our show uh, our special guest, our special legal expert guest, Henry Seaton. So if you have a question, a legal question, go ahead and press the number one. That puts you in the audio queue for us to come to you to be able to, uh, for you to get on to ask your question. Today you can get expert advice from a leading industry, uh, industry leading attorney in the transportation industry. None of that lunch counter stuff here. You'll get a chance to ask, uh, ask your question, get your question answered, um, and get some actionable advice that you can actually put to use and uh, do you some good, not just that lunch counter stuff or not that uh, if, maybe, and none of that stuff. But without any further ado, uh, we're going to jump right over into um, this week's USDA Trump report from the USDA. I haven't had a chance to uh, publish this on the Racing Lane Facebook page just yet, but we're going to try to get it up there before the end of the show tonight. There are a couple of areas where there's some movement going on, so like we always try to do, we want to address those hot topics. Uh, and the areas that are showing a shortage of trucks, that means that there's not enough supply for the demand in those areas, which means great spot market rates. Always advise with the word of caution when it comes to this particular report. You, uh, make sure that you're doing your homework. Don't cut the rates too much just to get into that area because they can change very rapidly. Uh, if you go and look at this report when we posted the great information that they have available on these reports, you have to kind of take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because uh, these are actually uh, the rates that they have on here. I have actually never seen anyone been successful at, at getting those those rates. You can um, you can get a little bit more money than what the average spot market rate has been showing, but when it comes to this particular rate on the USDA website, they don't have a good way of betting those rates, so I always advise caution when trying to use that for rate information. But without any further ado, the areas where there is a extreme shortage of trucks, Big Lake in central Minnesota is one area that is showing southern New Mexico is showing a shortage of trucks. Uh, the next area that is showing a slight shortage of trucks is Michigan, the Michigan area. Looks like they have cucumbers coming out of Michigan right now. So those three areas are areas for opportunity. If you're working the spot market, if you're chasing the freight or chasing the rate, so to speak, those may be some areas where you may be able to find some success. Areas that you might want to avoid, areas of caution. Valdelia uh, District, Georgia, Texas. Mexico crossing through Texas, Columbia Basin, Washington. Go 
those four areas that we just listed off, those areas are showing a slight surplus, which means that there is more trucks than there is demand. Of course, means that if they're if you're following the law of supply and demand, then you're probably not going to get as good a rate, or you're probably going to get gouged or end up off the plane. Now, of course, um, if you ever work the border town, like uh, coming through um, um, down there in the valley out of Texas and stuff like that, of course, uh, you know, if you're willing to gamble and play that game late Friday evening or whatever, you can probably get a decent rate coming out of there. But uh, don't know, you know, I, I'm not I'm not that big on gambling. I'm not that big on taking those types of chances. I like surefire things. So I always advise words of caution. But you can, if you if you got that gambling spirit in your blood and you don't mind taking those risks, by all means, uh, those areas that you just listed off, you can uh, try your hand at that if you if you got the so desire. Uh, moving right along, jumping over into this week's EAP report uh, for the week of August 6th through the 12th. August continues with an unusually strong demand for freight rates. Uh, rates remain high as well, although they gave back some of the gains from the previous week, returning closer to July averages. Bands and flatbeds rates dropped by three cents per mile and reefer rates fell by $0.04 cents as a national average. Low-to-truck ratios also moved lower compared to the previous highlights. Let's dig in and take a deeper look into this report, beginning as we always do, starting off with the drive vans, looking at the demand and the capacity report for drive vans throughout the country. August fans fans remain strong, even though the second week of August was not as robust as the first week. We saw some highlights, uh, some high-low counts in almost two years. Nationally, fan load postings declined by 12%, and truck posts increased by 1% compared to the previous week. To yield a 12% drop in the load truck ratio from 5.5, uh, dropping from 5.5 loads per truck down to 4.9 loads per truck. The national average van rate also declined. Taking a look back historically, van load posts declined 13% from July, from June to July, and truck posts lost 6% to yield a 7% dip in the national load per truck ratio at 5.2 van loads per truck. The ratio was up 81% compared to July of 2016. Um, taking a look back, the national average diesel price is two dollars and sixty cents per gallon. That is an eight percent uh, up by point eight percent. Taking a look at the uh, rates throughout the uh, country, after rate rising three cents per mile. The previous week, last week, the national average rate fell three cents to one dollar seventy-nine cents per mile. Lack of pressure from floating planes and slipping oil sector could be to blame. Steel rates remain strong for August. Rates increased in Chicago, Philadelphia, but fell in Atlanta and Houston. Um, so we have a 
going back and looking at the historical data, the national average fan rate is down one cent in July compared to June at $1.79 per mile. The rate is 16 cents higher than it was in the average in July of 2016. Taking a look around the country, starting out in the northeastern corridor, the national spot market rate for dry bands coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, was $1.74 per mile. Dropping down into the southeastern portion of the United States, $2.02 per mile coming out of Atlanta. Moving up into the Midwest, we have Chicago, Illinois, checking in at $2.17 per mile. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, checking in, showing average rates at $1.68 per mile. Moving over into the west coast, Los Angeles, California, checks in, showing very strong rates for dry bands on average at $2.12 per mile. Let's jump over and look and see how the flatbed demand was performing over the previous week. Want to look at the demand and capacity report for flatbeds. Flatbed load postings dipped by 8%, while truck posts increased by 6%. That caused the load to truck ratio to decline 14% to 29.4 loads per truck. Still a high load to truck ratio this time of year. The national average flatbed rate moved lower compared to the previous week. Taking a look back historically compared to June, flatbed load postings declined by 18% in July, while truck posts declined by 5%. That caused the load to truck ratio to fall 14% to 37 loads per truck. Still a very high national average compared to July of 2016. The ratio rocketed up. 
We're showing Green Bay, Wisconsin, showing $2.91 per mile on average. Coming out of McAllen, the south central portion of the United States, showing $1.78 per mile on average. And coming out of the west coast, Fresno, California, showing an average of $2.12 per mile on average. And with that being said, without any much further ado, I want to go ahead and see if we can get Hanky here before we have any more hiccups or whatever. Let me go grab Hank. Hank, are you there? I'm here, Rico. All right. I'm not sure exactly what in the world is going on, uh, but, hey, we're going to work through it. We're going to push through it. Glad to have you up and on board with us tonight. First question right off the bat, Hank, um, uh, like I was talking to you a little bit earlier, it just came down, just hit the kind of news spot of the day. Navistar ordered to pay $31 million for Tennessee fuel over alleged incident defects. One of my main concerns when I first seen this report and when I shared this report, when I seen it come out this morning, is that what a, that's great that the uh, Tennessee fleet, you know, they have enough money to kind of uh, get in line and, and hold, the, hold the foot to the fire of these manufacturers of, of, of those motors and those engines. But I know personally uh, quite a few people that bought the uh, international trucks, the Navistar, the Navistar and that Max Force engine. And I know personally uh, quite a few people that lost their shirt behind those trucks. Uh, I, I even know some people that even lost their house because they were trying to keep their business afloat with those particular trucks. Um, what does this mean for the small guy, and how can this, how can the small guy um, kind of, I don't know, if piggyback is the right word or, or jump on board to uh, get in line to, to, to kind of say, hey, um, I, I was also uh, ill-affected with these trucks. You know, um, do, do they have any kind of recourse when, this, when it comes to this matter? I'll, I'll just shut up and, and just kind of let you, uh, you know, kind of guide us okay, give us some guidance on this. That'll be fine. Uh, uh, Mylan Supply Chain Management is uh, uh, a company, it was originally Mylan Express, that I'm very familiar with. A very dear friend of mine uh, founded the company, Mr. Tommy Ross. Uh, I did not know uh, of this lawsuit until I read it, uh, about it in the press. Uh, uh, I, I can and will uh, know more about it uh, uh, if, if I call Mylan and ask, and of course I can download the court record and see what it's about. But at first uh, blush, here here's really what's involved. It looks like Mylan prevailed, uh, uh, winning a settlement based not upon one truck, but based upon what we would call a systemic flaw. So one would think that if... Uh, the uh, the trucks had the systemic flaw, uh, and the, the symptoms were replicated for other people. They would uh, have the advantage of what they call precedent, because the court has already found that the flaw exists and that it existed in the trucks that Milan had. So the the burden of proof would be uh, comparatively easy for anybody who wanted to file kind of what you simply call the Me Too case. What I would expect is uh, the first decision is Navistar going to appeal the decision or are they going to pay? If, uh, if they're not going to appeal the decision, I'm sure they're buttressing themselves for other people to sue as well. Uh, obviously, it would be tough uh, for an individual uh, 
uh, one truck operator to uh, take on Big Navistar. That's the reason that they have what's called a class action suit. And uh, what I expect would happen is that uh, uh, some enterprising individual, probably a member of the plaintiff's bar, would try to find two or three representatives of the class to file the suit and say they're filing it on behalf of the named plaintiffs and other uh, carriers uh, and truck owners similarly situated. The result of that, if they got it certified as a class, everybody who had one of these max trans and had any problem with it would be able to opt into the suit and potentially share in the judgment. So what I can say at this point is uh, if uh, if I had had that problem and it put me out of business and I had uh, records of going in for repairs and unsolved uh, issues with it, I'd be collecting my data uh, in terms of, of repairs and problems and expenses and uh, uh, documenting the consequential damages that you had individually. What I told Rico that I would be happy to do is if he had listeners that wanted to uh, uh, provide uh, him with their contact information, uh, I would I would monitor the situation and try to offer people uh, the best advice I can find in terms of whether to join a class action, whether one is being uh, circulated, or just pass out uh, good evidence of, of what's involved. I isolated this particular issue when it came down for uh, Avery Vice at TransComply to follow, and uh, I'd be more than happy to make that into uh, a monthly update. Uh, anybody who wants to get on the email list to get the, the TransComply uh, material, I'll undertake to communicate with you that way as well as putting you on a private list if you want to know. Uh, I don't think it'll be very long before uh, uh, Navistar will have to uh, uh, issue a uh, corrective action plan. Uh, they'll have to respond to this uh, bad press in a big way, and uh, hopefully by the next time we do this, uh, our uh, crystal ball will be a bit clearer. Uh, I, I assume that uh, uh, I'll also look at what they call the statute of limitations. Uh, I, I'd imagine that uh, it really doesn't begin to run until the nature of the defect is disclosed. But if there is a time limit for filing suits, uh, I'll let the, uh, anybody that's on RICO's list know that, and we'll put it in TransComply as well. But but for the running of the statute of limitations, I would think that <clears throat> this really uh, offers uh, uh, those of you who are by Navistar a good chance to recoup your losses. Okay, all right, and as far as anything new, Hank, that we probably need to be made aware of uh, coming down from Washington, I know that there, with all of the different stuff that's going on in the news and the climate of uh, what's going on in the country from Charlottesville, Virginia, and all that stuff, now that I, I, um, I, I seen the uh, transportation secretary was up there with the uh, 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 when 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 they when they had the press conference yesterday, but uh, is there anything <laughs> is there anything that's coming down that uh, we might be able to use uh, uh, things that we might need to be made aware of as far as stuff that's pertinent? 
Rico, there are a couple of things that I remind you of. I, I know that you have uh, you've put on your blog and your website the uh, the the uh, the free to listeners of ELD uh, uh, webinar that is, is going to be towards the end of the month. Uh, that remains a, uh, a topic of, of concern, particularly the small carriers. Uh, there is this uh, Babbitt Amendment floating around Congress. It's being supported by OIDA and NASTIC. Uh, I think the APA is uh, enough of this to go ahead and make it effective. Uh, so I, I think a lot of people on pins and needles and they need to uh, uh, look at that December compliance date. The webinar will cover that. We'll also cover uh, how the ELD will affect uh, uh, productivity and how it will be used by the agency and uh, uh, one of the, one of the speakers is uh, has been through uh, uh, reviewing the types of these and can uh, can discuss that. So hopefully, if you're if you're in the dark, I'm not telling you that we'll have all the answers. That that should be a good listen. If you can't make that particular time and you register, you'll be sent to listen to the webinar at your leisure. Uh, there are several other issues that are percolating. One of the, I think, uh, more important ones is the National Academies of Science came down with its report on SMS methodology and said it really doesn't work, but if we got a whole lot more data, maybe it could. And the agency appears to have taken that as a new leaf on life for SMS methodology. Uh, they will be having a, uh, a meeting maybe as early as uh, uh, September 8th to get input from affected groups. I think, as I've mentioned before, uh, I'm involved with uh, 10 trade organizations made up primarily of small carriers who see the competitive disadvantage that small carriers are put in when they don't have a safety rating and shippers are afraid to hire them because they think they might get sued if a small guy has a wreck and doesn't have uh, millions of dollars in assets. So we're really concerned about the competitive disadvantage of use of SMS or ton of SMS to small carriers and have some alternative proposals to protect small carriers. Uh, uh, we have uh, uh, been at... Uh, three hearings in the past two weeks held by the SBA uh, for the purpose of looking at uh, unfair uh, bureaucratic overreaches. I have reason to think that the SBA fully understands that uh, the trucking industry is small businesses and needs to be encouraged. So uh, within the next six months, uh, uh, in all of the dysfunctionality that exists in Washington, this is probably our best opportunity to uh, preserve the independent contractor model, to see that we're not overly regulated, and see that uh, international transportation policy, which was designed to give everybody a chance to actually. So that's a, that's a long-winded way to say that uh, uh, it could be a very active fall. Uh, I left Washington, thankfully. Uh, 
five years ago and don't want to go back up there and live. I think it's a very dysfunctional place. I think we all would agree that uh, there's news, there's fake news, and there's two different people's points on most issues. So I can't promise success, but I do think it's a fight that's worth taking because if uh, small businesses don't stand up for themselves, I'm not sure they're otherwise going to be represented. So there's that issue. And there are a bunch of other due process issues that uh, uh, I think are the. uh, I'll be happy to take it on anything to do with uh, the that anybody uh, might have or any other general questions. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's our connection, Hank, but if, you, if you can't, you're coming through a little bit choppy. I'm not sure if it's on our end. Can I sound like I'm in a well? Uh, it's just coming in a little choppy. It's coming in, you know, it breaks up Yeah, I think, I think that your uh, 347 number's got some problems. Uh, I'm speaking, I took it off speakerphone. I'm speaking as close to the uh, phone as I can get. Oh, okay, yeah, that 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 helped out a lot. That helped out a lot. That, that cleared it up a, a good bit right there. Um, yeah, um, and one of the things, uh, and I see if you got a couple people with some questions, we're coming right to you. Just be patient. Just be real patient, real quick. I got one other thing I wanted to hit on before I brought in any some, some more callers. It's something that we all need to be made aware of. Hank has kind of been, uh, you know, we've, we've thrown it out there a couple of times, but uh, basically, in the long and short. What Hank is really, you know, is, is getting at to us is that uh, the independent owner-operator model is under attack, and we need to, as independent uh, people that are independent that have their own authority, uh, or even, or even just being an independent contractor that leased on to somebody that has their own that bought a truck and is leased on to a carrier, but you're an independent contractor. That model is being uh, is being under attack. And we, we need to try to get some uh, stewards, I guess would probably be a, a good word to use, some stewards to try to help stand up and make sure that we are sounding off that, hey, we are our own God. And now what that entails is that, you know, you got to be a, a, a student of the game and a student of business as well. you got to be, you got to understand that, um, Nobody, once you stood up and say, hey, I want to own my own business, I want to be my own, my own, my own guy, uh, I want to carry my own water, so to speak, for lack of a better term, then you know what I'm saying? We, we have to stand up for that model because if not, they're going to take that model away from us and turn all of us back into employees and the opportunity to be an independent contractor or independent owner-operator may not be there for us if we just idly sit by and allow the, uh, the model to be attacked, and and, and some I have some concerns about certain things when it comes to um, independent operators as far as our bargaining power when it comes to sitting down at the table. But right now, the the major thing is that we have to try to address is that the uh, the, the independent operator model as we know it is under attack, and we need to try to band together as independent operators and independent uh, contractors try to make sure that we still have that as a viable option and, and that we can still pursue uh, what little bit is left of the, the American dream, so to speak. 
Um, hey, is, is that a good indication of what you, what you were getting? Yeah, at? I think I think Rico did an excellent job of that. That the the independent contractor model is under attack in two ways. As I mentioned, if you have your own authority, uh, uh, the uh, uh, SMS is uh, and the idea that. Uh, uh, you need to have really deep pockets before anybody can use you is a, is an idea that we need to uh, to remove by uh, giving everybody a safety rating and saying that safe to operate is safe to use. The other issue, uh, if you're you're starting out as your own businessman and you're leased to a motor carrier, uh, uh, you have made you have made the decision to. Uh, uh, support your family uh, uh, and take a, a business chance you know with every opportunity there's a risk and uh, you know I think I think Rico's doing a good job and, uh, there, there are plenty of people out here trying to support support you to teach you how to uh, uh, manage your money but a lot of uh, your ability to succeed is based upon the favorable tax treatment you get as a business rather than an employee. So you made the decision uh, basically to, to go for the dream. Uh, there are two different opinions of, uh, of, of the working man. Uh, one is that you should, uh, you should be somebody's employee so that the, the welfare state can take care of you and you can, you can join a union and you can get paid by the hour. Uh, but the alternative to that is, well, if I wanted to drive a job driving a truck, I've got a good record in CLD, I could do it. But I'm looking forward to something more, and that something more is uh, uh, the ability to uh, uh, purchase a truck, to grow, to haul when I want to haul, to uh, uh, to be a success. And when Rico mentioned the American dream, the American dream is really tied up in the independent contractor model. Uh, what what has happened is, uh, particularly led by the West Coast ports, and I, I will certainly say that there are abusive relationships, but you certainly can't judge the 800,000 independent contractors who lease on to somebody else as uh, in involuntary servitude. They're doing it because they're seeking the American dream, and if they're getting abused by the uh, motor carrier to whom they lease, there's the truth in leasing regulations that give them a whole lot of, of protection. Uh, what uh, uh, what we really need is uh, uh, advocates, uh, folks that uh, uh, are willing to uh, uh, sign a petition, right, or write a letter I'll... saying, "If you think I'm a, if you think I'm forced to be a, a, an owner operator." Uh, you miss it. It's my it's my chance at the American dream. I want to be an independent contractor. I could be a driver if I wanted to. It's my choice. And it, it's that kind of uh, uh, the silent, un, uh, un, unspoken uh, hundreds of thousands of people who uh, get into business uh, 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 owning a truck and, and leasing it on to someone else before they uh, – uh, take on all the regulatory and insurance burdens of becoming their own carrier. That's the model we need to defend. That was the word I was looking for. We need advocates to step up. Um, with that being said, let's go and take a few questions. We got a caller 
Stephen calling in. Stephen, you're up and on board live with Rico and Hank. How can we help? Hey, Rico, Hank, how are y'all today? Doing well, Stephen. What's up? Yeah, uh, on the on the sound side, Hank sounds a lot better now. Rico, you sound like you're away from the uh, uh, from the mic, uh, but uh, but Hank has improved. It was it was worse to start with, but it's much better now. Uh, but uh, you're you're a little bit yeah, but uh, but Rico, you sound a little bit far distant from the. Uh, uh, you know, from your uh, mic, so you may check that. But, uh, yeah, uh, Hank, on the uh, Navistar thing, um, uh, they have been in bank federal bankruptcy three times in the last 12, 15 years, and actually the Max Force put them into bankruptcy the last time. Now, now that they've come out of the bankruptcy and that this lawsuit happens, uh, is the court going to be looking whether or not, you know, this is a uh, something that was, basically disposed of because of that bankruptcy because that max force engine put them out of business uh you know put them you know put them into bankruptcy they reorganized and i think they're out of bankruptcy now so do you do you see that uh as being a chance that you know, uh that Milan transport might not get their money uh if uh if that's the case because it seems like bankruptcy well, y- can, yeah, uh, y- you know bankruptcy uh, is always the kill switch on uh, on recourse uh, yeah I don't know about uh, the state of the max force truck before uh, uh, you know I I would not think that a previous bankruptcy would have uh, discharged your your recourse, uh, uh, particularly if your purchase uh, acquire was acquired after uh, the, the last bankruptcy was filed. Uh, I'm not at this yeah. point to sure uh, how uh, Milan wouldn't have lost its right to file uh, the lawsuit if, in fact, the previous bankruptcy had discharged it. Usually what happens in those kinds of situations is uh, the bankrupt has to list all of its known creditors, and all of the known creditors are given an opportunity to to appear in the bankruptcy uh, before it's done. And, of course, clearly anybody that's on this phone in Milan wasn't listed as a creditor. So I don't think the past bankruptcy uh, affected them. Uh, If they're hobbling along and they don't have an influence, fusion of cash, uh, uh, they may just say, uh, you know, uh, we, we can't reorganize another time. Uh, we don't have the money to pay all these things. And, uh, uh, you know, if they do the calculation, uh, uh, you know, they may try to hide under bankruptcy again. That's clearly something yeah. that, uh, that I would be concerned about. I remember that, uh, you know, Navistar uh, was through at least one one bankruptcy. If their financial health is not uh, uh, is not fairly stout, uh, uh, you know, you can't get blood out of a turnip. If they're a turnip, we may have a uh, we may have a, have a real problem. Particularly if, uh, as as Rico uh, suggests, there may be uh, uh, you know tens of thousands of people that uh, are, are are now going to try to seek recourse. So, right, you know, before right. I would I think, advise yeah, anybody, I, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, that the folks that are, uh, you know, that are thinking about the class action suit, 
uh, you know, one thing, you're not having to put a lot of money out. You're not having to put any money out yourself. Usually it's the, the plaintiff's lawyer takes care of all the expenses until and unless they can uh, collect. Then they get their expenses back plus their third or whatever is negotiated. Uh, so that's what I was thinking, that, that, the, that the class action may go through uh, anyhow. Uh, you know, it wouldn't, I don't think it would hurt the guys to be in it. Uh, because those were hard. It was the worst diesel engine ever made. They, what they did was in 2009 and 10, when everybody else went to the DEF fluid, they went to super EGR. So they put all the exhaust back through the engine, and the soot just destroyed those engines. Nobody could work on them. Their own technicians couldn't work on them. One reason they went into bankruptcy is they were the trucks were in the shop all the time for warranty work. And they, you know, they were just paying shops to try to clean these things up and get them back on the road for people. And they were just, uh, it was a horrible, like it was, uh, the CEO lost his job over that uh, back in like 2012 or 13. So, you know, it was a horrible engine and it was really bad for anybody that got caught up in it. And uh, I was working with a company that actually, before Milan sold, um, sold his original company, um, you know, out uh, I, I dealt with them a lot. They were great people to deal with down there in Tennessee and all. So I hope he I hope he gets his money. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I think that I think Milan Supply Chain is now part of the Roadrunner family. Uh, the Ross yeah. family is still in it. Listen, Stephen, you've got uh, you've got uh, a lot of working knowledge for this. Uh, uh, get get from Rico uh, my email because. Uh, I'm more than happy happy to look into this. Uh, you certainly uh, raise issues in terms of this engine and its history that I think will play out. If it obviously uh, some enterprising lawyer is going to say, "Well, gee, let's go file a class action," but undoubtedly they'll have to bankroll it, get it certified, and won't have a payday unless uh, Navistar is financially. Uh, uh, able to pay. I guess the good thing about that is uh, anybody who had the engine is not going to have to throw good money after bad. Uh, if there is yeah. a class action and there ultimately is a payment, you may get something. But uh, uh, as we pointed out, if uh, if Navistar is not solvent, you you uh, you can get a judgment and can't enforce it. Uh, and this may very well be the uh, uh, the, the tip of the. Uh, uh, or the last time around for Navistar, I haven't tracked its, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 its stock or its status uh, in, in bankruptcy. So all of that is, is yeah. things that I will uh, undertake to to find out. I don't think anybody's going to do anything precipitous by the time we get together next month. Hopefully, I'll uh, be able to share more uh, about where this is going. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, like I say, hopefully uh, Milan can, can uh, you know, they can, like I say, they can at least get, get things going. I, I have a feeling that Navistar will probably um, uh, appeal that and try to get it knocked down some. I think it was like $20 million of it was uh, punitive. And, uh, I mean, it was a horrible decision they made. I You know, I think it on appeal, it you know, the punitive part might get knocked down because, it was a really bad decision that a lot of people made, uh, including the CEO, uh, to go with that route of, of making the engine that way. Uh, but you know, it, it, I'm kind of wondering. Uh, you know, they did. People did have real 
damages, and I think theirs were like ten million, and just in real damage, um, you know. And I think, yeah, but I, I think something like uh, the uh, maybe the, uh, uh, you know, the, the punitive damages might end up getting knocked back or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they they have tried to regroup, and they're only using uh, Cummins. I think Cummins engines now. Uh, they're not trying to do their own thing. I don't think anymore with an engine. Uh, unless they've developed another one. But I think they had such a bad experience with what they developed before. Uh, I think they're going with Cummins engines now and just trying to regroup and get back into, you know, selling enough trucks to make money. So hopefully they've got enough, though, to take care of the claims that are, that are uh, like you say, valid claims. You know? Yeah, if they're, you know, I, I agree with you uh, in terms of, uh they certainly will not admit uh, that uh, they were uh, uh, willfully negligent to the point of uh, the, uh, the punitive damages. So I, I imagine they will certainly appeal on that. I would think, though, yeah. that even though they may be appealing it, once people read the decision and the finding that uh, – uh, there was negligence at least in uh, in uh, putting out a, a product that was unfit. That you will you will see the movement towards class action, and uh, yeah, kind of, yeah, probably like fairly the, uh, quickly see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've got I've got one of the Passats, and I'm going to drive yeah, it. Yep. It's a, it's a diesel, and I'm going to drive it until it falls down because it's the best car I've ever had. <laughs> but oh, you can yeah, see. Yeah. But, that's a that's a good example. Uh, VW is big enough to take that hit. Uh, you know, yep. if that same uh, if that same thing had happened to a, a lesser company, it could have drug them down. And clearly, Navistar is uh, is the uh, you know is the weak sister in the uh, four or five uh, manufacturers you've got. So uh, I think yeah, we've talked yeah. about some, some real concerns in terms of uh, right. Uh, where do you go I'll from here, and, and if you get a judgment, yeah. can you collect? Well, like I said, I don't well, I have, I don't have, have a, I didn't have to add, to add to the whole to add to the whole point. Now you uh-huh. see a lot of these internationals. You see these new trucks, these these uh, internationals, and a lot of these used truck dealerships, and they're at really, really, really astronomical <laughs> uh, low low prices. Um, Seventeen. So, so they're they're still they're, they're still reselling those. They're still reselling those troubled trucks on the aftermarket, on the back market. So, uh, I mean, what what happens when 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 those bad trucks that are still out there in circulation? Is there some type of way to get that bad product off the market altogether, or or just one of those buyer beware situations? Well, I, I mean, you know, you're talking about uh, 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 recall law now. Uh, uh, I would imagine to see Navistar stock, if a penny stock dropped a half a penny as a result of this, and I would expect uh, to see uh, uh, if you if you're trying to merchandise one of those uh, older units, uh, uh, I it's you're talking about a products liability issue and a recall issue, and somehow you you got to think that. Uh, 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 the government will rush in and uh, and uh, put some limit on the on the saleability without some kind of uh, uh, of recourse. I mean, uh, I, I guess uh, uh, 
and and you're out of my forte now, but I, I I would I would guess you could jerk the engine and use the shell for something. Uh, but uh, 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 from what you guys say, I I I think that engine's kaput. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're only yeah, they're I'm only asking seventeen thousand. Yeah, you, you're seeing. I mean, they're blowing those trucks out at some of these used car used dealerships at at astronomically cheap prices, and people are thinking that they're getting a great deal on a truck, and and they just don't know that what they're getting themselves into is if they're not listening to uh you know some of the people that have been trying to yell from the mountaintop for a couple of years now. Because I mean, I've been yelling ever since I got wind of 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 the problematic issues with that match force engine. I've been kind of, you know, when people ask my advice on I'm not no mechanical uh, expert by no stretch of imagination, but uh, I've been trying to tell everybody that I know from everything that I've heard, hey, stay the hell away from those trucks and that engine. And uh, but 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 when you but when you people are going shopping for a truck and they're on, they're in the market for a used truck and they can see that they can get these trucks for. Uh, under twenty thousand dollars with uh, under half a million miles on them, they're jumping all over them. And, and I, you know, I, I for somebody that may be trying to buy their very first truck and they're just getting started, and they get a hold of one of these problematic trucks, it's enough to, like I say, I've seen people that have lost house behind, um, you know, just this bad business decision alone uh, by buying the wrong truck. Yeah, one one scenario, and this is just purely crystal ball gazing. If uh, if the bankruptcy court isn't tired of of Navistar, uh, I could see them uh, uh, trying to uh, put themselves up for sale or come out with some kind of uh, of, of white knight that uh, uh, would uh, pay off their secured debt, because you got to realize in a bankruptcy case. You may have a perfectly good claim, but the first person that gets paid is the bank. I can see them trying to get the secured debt paid and come up with pennies on the dollars for uh, a class of, of poor folks who bought it. And, uh, uh, you know, if they package it that way, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I would caution against giving you false hope because uh, – Somebody will run the calculation on how many of these uh, damn things were out there and what the uh, the potential uh, could be for a class action. And uh, you know, I think uh, uh, since they, since they don't have VW or somebody behind them, uh, uh, a repackaged bankruptcy is uh, is probably uh, something they'll be looking at. All right. Well, Steve, uh, do you have anything uh, else uh, before we let you go? We've got about 10 minutes left. Yep. Right. All right. Well, Hank, Steve. Uh, well, Steve, we appreciate the phone call. Yeah, Steve, get, and, get to uh, me uh, back channel. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to get try and get Well, let me see. Hold on. It sounded like he was trying to say something. I put him back on hold. Let me see if I can grab him. You there, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and I'll uh, I'll go to uh, TransComply and uh, get your newsletter. Uh, you'll probably let us know with that too. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Get in touch okay. With you yeah, about that'd that, be great. Or any information, also try to send it your way. That'll be great. Thanks, Stephen. All right. Thank you. Uh, All right. Appreciate it, Steve. And thank you. Uh, I don't know. 
Um, but I, I finally got a chance to get down and sit down, and uh, we've been talking and everything, but I finally got a chance to sit down and grab your new book. It's a little old now, but I got a chance to sit down and, and crack it open. And, man, I tell you, you have definitely outdone yourself on this one. I thought that the um, I thought that the first book had a wealth of information in it. Man, this thing is a novel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure it's a key Stephen King novel or anything, but I did I did uh, set out pers- uh, purposely to try to cover all of the, uh, the 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 legal issues and the risk issues that. Uh, you know, I saw that would affect, uh, uh, you know, some guy who was his own risk manager, his own insurance uh, purchaser, and handled his own claims. So hopefully, uh, Rico, I, I, I wrote it with the, out a whole lot of legalese, and people can uh, can grasp the concepts in it. Definitely. I definitely want to advise anybody that's listening in that if you have your own authority, if you are thinking about getting your own authority, if you're thinking about even being an independent uh, contractor, I advise you this is probably um, the best money that you could spend on just getting something that's practical that you can have in your hand as a as a reference manual to guide you on on some definitely some important decisions when it comes to your business. If you don't have this book already, uh, and think was gracious enough to give. The listeners of this show, if you use the code RICO, R-I-C-O, 2016, a 20% discount, you can go to transcomply.com to order a copy. Uh, if you happen to hook up with Transcomply and become a member, if I'm not correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Hank, you, you actually get the book for free, is that correct? Or, or am I... Yeah, we have a package. We're... We're offering a, a new carrier audit package for people that are just getting into it and you know have to go through a safety audit. We're we're offering a, a package that uh, really uh, goes into a whole lot of detail in terms of uh, you know the purchasing of insurance has uh, has has webinars a whole lot more of the commerce uh, aspect of it, including an ability just to uh, you know call up and say hey. Hey Hank, I got stopped at the uh, Ohio Scales. Who can who can help me out? Uh, and uh, then uh, uh, we've got a, another interesting package, and I'd be interested in people's comments on it. Uh, a lot of small uh, carriers don't really have their own service terms and conditions, and may not have their own website. And uh, we've got a a, a way to uh, uh, put up uh, for anybody who's uh, Trying to do their own business, their 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 own website with their with their service terms and conditions and uh, uh, some visibility, so that if they're in the spot market, they can uh, uh, drive their customers to uh, uh, something that's professionally done that uh, uh, you know is maintained and, and covers those those basics for things like uh, standard detention rules that. Uh, can get left out of contracts and those kinds of things. It needs to be a way for uh, the small uh, uh, guy to uh, be sure that what's left out of a a load confirmation sheet can be incorporated by reference and that 
you really look at every eventuality because hauling freight's like writing a will. You need to take care of all of the contingencies up front. And so we've got we've got a plan to uh, kind of help the small guys do that. In this day of uh, identity theft and everything else, you, you really want to uh, let people know who you are, where, uh, what your insurance is, uh, maybe a brief discussion of what you do. Heck, if you're if you're a reefer carrier, uh, you, you you need to have a website that professionally says that, because uh, so much of this stuff, I think, when you get started, uh, you don't want it to be, but so much of it is uh, is spot market, and I hope it'll give you some some street street creds if you don't have one. All right, well that that that's good enough, and and like I say, you can get signed up with all that stuff over at transcomply.com, uh, Hank's website. Not only is the trans compliant, but also you can catch him over at www.transportationlaw.net. There are a ton of articles and information available on that site as well. But if you don't have, uh, if, you, if you're not a member of Trans Compliant, and if you just want the book, like I say, even if you're somebody that's thinking about getting into the business and you want the book, you need to have this in your library. Get over there, use the promo code for the discount, RICO, R-I-C-O-2-0-1-6. That gives you a 20% discount on the book. Uh, use that. Get the book. It's definitely a must-have, in my humble opinion, for your library. Uh, Hank, anything you want to add before we get out of here? we got about two minutes left in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not uh, no, not really. Uh, I mean, I guess... Uh... I don't need to make a, a, a commentary on how uh, destructive all of the things that are going on on the Hill are. Uh, all, all, all we know is I think I think we are are, are committed to doing the uh, the best that we can to try to uh, uh, get through get through some tough times here. Uh, one thing I, I will mention that. Uh, uh, is hitting home to me and it when you look at contracts look carefully at uh, if, if you are your own carrier look carefully at what's called a covenant not to compete uh, and mm. I'm seeing these things getting enforced very frequently now uh, particularly you know if you if you're going to haul one load for a broker and it's General Electric don't agree that you'll never haul for General Electric without paying them a 20% uh, uh, fee. Uh, it's important that you that you that you modify that and you say, well, look, you know, if he te- if he if he tenders me a, a particular lane, I'm not going to go back solicit him and try to undercut his rate. But you know, if that shipper decides he wants to pick up the phone and call me uh, uh, because he's kicked the broker out, then I don't want to. Uh, have my hands tied behind me in terms of serving that, that shipper. So how you word that that covenant, uh, it needs to uh, it needs to protect the broker against just flagrantly trying to cut him out of the deal. But by the same token, it needs to be fair to you so that uh, I've got a situation in which uh, you know a, a major customer uh, uh, decided he didn't want to go through a three PL anymore and sought out the carrier they've been hauling the freight and carriers shouldn't have to uh, uh be precluded from responding to that. So that's just uh 
Uh, I don't know how many people run into it, but just one more thing to look at. It's covered in the book in terms of covenants not to compete. You'll see them in a lot of the contracts that you're asked to sign, something you might want to look at. Absolutely. And those that's that very thing right there is something, like I said, if you don't have the book, it gives you th that's a great reference point to go back to, definitely something that's covered in the book in depth, um, among other things, there's, there's quite a few things that are in there, but that's just one thing that you need to be aware of. And probably next month we might want to take some time to try to take a few minutes to just cover some uh, highlights and high points of different things that you need to might, uh, go back over, as, as Hank loves to call it, the dirty dozen again, uh, for those that don't know about about those things, just things that you need to be aware of if you have your own authority. That might give us, a, you know, uh, some things about that. So we'll try and we'll try and take a little feedback, a little poll, and we'll also want to remind everybody before we get out of here to go sign up for the free resource that we play, uh, show at the, for the end of the month. Hank is, and those guys over at Transcomply are putting on the free webinar. If you're a member or a listener of this show, you uh, can go to the Facebook page. You can see the link up there, how to sign up, how to get involved in that uh that webinar is going to be dealing with the ELD mandate, um, and and I believe there may be another webinar that you guys are working on as well that's coming down the pike. We'll, we'll keep you guys abreast of all that stuff that's coming. Yeah, we had what we had one that's, that's available on the new carry audit. We're going to have the ELD, and we're going to try to do one uh, one every month, and we we'll, we will probably uh, over the period of the year uh, work through a lot of the the topics that are in the book. Uh, you know, I, I've I have talked to the Trans Comply people about uh, uh, maybe doing one uh, just on the independent contractor relationship, what's required by by federal law, the truth in leasing regulations, and those things. So I, I would think that 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 should very well come by Christmas, and uh, we uh, we may we may do one on cargo claims and some other things. But what we're trying to do is to is to build a library of, of, of readily accessible uh, information for uh, for folks that uh, you know want to participate with us. Absolutely, sounds great. Appreciate it again, Hank, and we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule for coming on board and uh, sharing some information with us here on the Rates and Lanes podcast. I thank everybody for listening in for supporting the show taking time out of your busy schedule to, to call in, listen, and participate. We definitely appreciate it. I apologize about the technical difficulties a little earlier in the show, but, hey, sometimes that's just the way it goes. Uh, we'll work on trying to make sure we get those resolved in for future shows. And we want to thank uh, Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for providing us the platform to bring this show to you and the entire Let's Truck team. We want to send shout-out to all those guys and send a shout-out back in Atlanta for our call screener. I'm not sure which one of my daughters is handling those duties tonight, but whichever one of you girls are doing that, Eddie appreciates it, loves you. We'll talk to you guys soon. God bless you. Good night. We'll talk to you guys next week. Good night. Bye-bye.